Our message today, though, we're, we're still working through the Sermon on the Mount, and I was thinking about Jesus uh, this week and, and his teachings, and, and there are some people who, you know, when they talk, people listen. They just they have kind of this charismatic character personality to them, and uh, people are drawn to that, and I think Jesus had that charisma to him. You see that referred to several times, at, uh, for example, Luke 4.32 says they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority and so this there's something about jesus and he had kind of this it factor uh, when people when he spoke people listen even when he was 12 years old you remember they were leaving jerusalem there's the family group and they couldn't find jesus and they're looking all over for him and they find him finally uh, in the temple and uh, he's hanging out with the teachers and it said this about him, Luke 2.47, Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And so that's when he's 12 years old. And, and when you think about it, there had to be something special about this guy because people would just drop everything that they were doing and follow him. It's a, a fisherman. Hey, come follow me. Okay. Um, you know, w different, different occupations would just drop everything, drop their, leave their family tax collectors and so it just kind of shows you what kind of personality Jesus was that doesn't mean that he was the son of God or anything because there's been lots of charismatic people over the years that people follow and and they were you know false teachers and all that kind of thing but but Jesus had everything else to go along with it as you know and then as, as people started following Jesus his teachings they got intense didn't they Okay, that, that they're, uh, you know, they're going to the, on the, the whole setting here is the, the mountain and, and uh, all these people are gathered and, and, you know, he didn't promise that this is going to just be this easy thing to follow him, did he? He, ne he never said that. And, and the reality was that some of his followers, as he started teaching and get really getting into things, they, they said, no, nah, I'm out. That, that's too much. That's too hard. I don't, I don't get it. I don't buy into that. So in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he gives six areas that he seems to kind of up things a notch or two or, or ten. And, uh, you know, they, last week we looked at, at three. The, these six, they're traditionally called the antitheses. And uh, we looked at three last week. Um, the first one was the official command was do not murder. Jesus said, if you're angry at your brother and, and you don't take care of it, it's just like murdering him. And then he talked about adultery. Okay, the official command was do not commit adultery. But he said, you know, if you look at someone lustfully, uh, it's like you're committing adultery with them. And then he talked about divorce last week. And in that culture, uh, oftentimes the man thought that he could divorce the wife for any reason. And uh, Jesus said, no, you can you aren't supposed to just look for any reason. The only reason that, that he gives is marital unfaithfulness, and then it's not even required. And, and so Jesus was uh, elevating the status of marriage in that culture. And so this week we're going to look at three more of these areas that Jesus addresses. Uh, the first one is the topic of oaths, O-A-T-H-S. And so let's go ahead and read that first section. We're in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 33 through 37. If you want to follow along, you can follow along up here too. Matthew five thirty three through 37. Again, you've heard, it, heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. 
but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, I wish that by telling the truth I could turn white hair black, but it doesn't seem to work like that, I, I, unless you use the hair dye stuff, which some of you do. I won't make you raise your hands, but you know who you are out there. Um, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, so the premise here is simple. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Uh, if you always tell the truth, you don't have to make an oath or, or swear by something. You, you don't have to, to swear on a stack of Bibles. Uh, just tell the truth. And, and oaths were often used in the Old Testament. Um, Israel would ratify their treaties with oaths. God even used oaths to, to reinforce his promises with his people. And, and so oaths in and of themselves... Uh, are not a bad thing. And we still use oaths today when you get married. You know, really, you're making an oath, right? You're making promises uh, to your spouse of being with them through everything, sickness and in health, uh, and you put those promises together with exchange of rings. But Jesus, as always, what he's doing here, he's trying to get to the heart of the matter, right? And, and so he says, saying, just say yes or no and be honest. Just like he was elevating marriage, he's elevating truth. And, you know, we, we do things from the time we're little to try to, you know, show that we're, we're telling the truth. You know, cross my heart, hope to die, right? Stick a needle in my eye. Remember that one? Yeah. Have you ever thought about the words of that? It's pretty morbid, isn't it? Stick a needle in your own. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty bad. Um but remember, if, if you had your fingers crossed, it doesn't count, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had my fingers crossed. Yeah. There's a minister friend of mine named Drew Sherman. He tells a story about when he was a kid and, and his big sister would, would pick on him. And, and he remembers being about five years old when his sister challenged him to a contest. And she said, let's see who can hit the lightest. Okay. Anybody ever play that game? Okay, and, and so, yeah, I th I'm pretty sure my brother did this to me, too, when we were little. But So she had Drew go first, and, and he, he gently, you know, hit her on the arm, just delicately, barely touched her. And, and she said, wow, you, you know, you're really great at this game. And then she proceeded to punch him as hard as she possibly could. And, and so he looked at her in, in disbelief, and, you know, she's like, well, you win. Yeah, sorry. But that's not the end of the story. So uh, sister apologized to him for tricking him and, and asked him, come on, let's play again. I won't do that again. And he's like, no, I'm not playing again. And, and she promised, you know, th you know, this time I won't. I promise I won't. And, and so he said, well, you have to go first this time. And so she promised three times. And so they get ready to do it again. And he turns sideways and exposes his arm and waits to see how softly she would hit him and pow she hit him even harder this time and so he has tears streaming down his face and and she runs off screaming i had my fingers crossed i had my fingers crossed so 
Uh, Drew said he, he learned a lot about life uh, as a five-year-old from, from his sister and what, what she did to him. Um, you know, the reality is that there, there's deception all the time in our society, and, and it, the stakes get even bigger than, you know, hitting somebody uh, from a little game. Uh, crime is committed, and, and they have to throw it out because they, they didn't do something quite right, they didn't read them the rights properly, or um, there's a, a mistrial because something was done wrong, and um, people get out of a contract on a technicality. And so, unfortunately, much of our society is built on kind of a, a foundation of falsehood and, and fabrications and lies and, and half-truths. And, and, and it's easy to get caught up into this, I think, even as Christians. Uh, you know, we, we hide the truth or we exaggerate or, or we kind of intentionally misrepresent a situation a little bit to make somebody else look bad. We, we cheat a little bit here and there. And we make promises that, that we never really intend to keep. You ever promised to pray for somebody and and yeah you kind of forgot that yeah I know I have before and we betray confidences and 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 we make up reasons to justify our behavior and, and the the sad thing is that that we live in a culture where we almost assume that people aren't telling the full truth and we start to not trusting start not really trusting anyone especially if you've been burned a few times, which most of us have, right? You know, in politics, it feels like we're forced to figure out who, who lies less, not whether they lie or not. And, and we have to figure out what the hidden agenda is. And, you know, during the last election, they actually came up with percentages of who would lie the most or the least. And, and you think, man, how, how did it come to that? This week, in Holly's car, there she has XM radio. It came with it at the beginning, and then, you know, it's free at the beginning, and then they try to get you to stay on. Well, th there's been several times where we're going to get rid of it, and then they say, no, we'll give you this deal. And so then you kind of go through this game every time, right? And so they call this week. The deal was up, and, and I, I said right away, well, I'm not interested unless you give me the exact same package, the exact same price deal we had before. And so they're like, well, we don't have that anymore. I'm like, yeah, I know you do have it. In about 10 minutes, you're going to tell me I can have that deal. But I didn't say that. So I'm like, well, that we're fine unhooking it, okay? That, that, that's no, not a big deal. We, and they're like, well, how about this? If you only get music and don't have the sports and news, which why would you not want the sports, right? Then, then you can have it for uh, $14.99 a month. How's that sound? And I said, that sounds terrible. I, I really said that. And <laughs> because I told you that I, I, I'm just going to unhook it unless you give me the exact same package. It's $5 a month for five months. And I'm like, wow, we don't have that anymore. But let me look, and I'll check and see. And then they do their little thing. They go, oh, well, you know what? If, if you're willing to do this, we can... We can do it for this price. How about that? Like, no. The, I, I'll just unhook it. Fine, that's fine. And so they go back. Let me talk to my manager. One more. It's just like this game, right? And, and so finally, they come back, and, and uh, I won't do their accent, but there was an accent involved in this. Um, not that that's, but you know what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> so they said, well, yeah, I can't believe it, but my manager said that you can have the same deal for the same price. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy. But I knew that when he said the first time that, that this is all we can do, I knew that he wasn't telling me the truth. And, and so we live in the, that kind of culture that we expect that. And so here's the thing. Since there are so many people who were untrustworthy in our culture, I believe that this area of Christianity, we can truly stand out if we are really letting our yes be yes and our no be no, because, man, it's just different than the culture that we live in. You see, honesty and integrity stand out in a dishonest culture. If you're a business owner or, or at school, or just the honesty stands out, or at work, and, and you're always honest, people are going to wonder, why is that person always honest? What, what's in it for them? And if there's nothing really in it for them except that's who you are, because you're a follower of Jesus, it, it's going to stand out. But let's look at things from the other side for a minute. I also think that there aren't too many things that can do more damage to the kingdom than Christians who are dishonest. Okay? And people know that. It's the kind of thing that could cause people to walk away from God and the church forever. You call yourself a Christian and this is the way you act? This is the, the kind of thing you do? I don't want to have anything to do with that then. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's crucial as a, as a kingdom worker. Okay, let's keep moving on. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So the general principle here is be willing to go the extra mile. Okay, so th this idea of, of uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it comes from Exodus chapter 21, 23 and 24. And Moses was, was giving all kinds of rules and, and uh, guidelines and things that they, they needed to, to follow as a, a nation. And he says here, but, but if there's a serious injury, you're to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Okay, it's been called the, the law of limited revenge. And uh, what's really happening here, it, it was about making sure that the punishment fits the crime. Um, but not more than the crime. Because it was a, an honor-shame culture. And in an honor-shame type culture, uh, revenge tended to kind of up the ante uh, each time. You'd have families or tribes kind of upset with each other, and, and so you did this to me, so now we're going to do this to you even more. And so it would just go back and forth. And so basically this is about don't let that happen. Jesus comes along. He, he invokes the law of love and, and says, you know, actually, you don't even need to get even. Okay, that's not your job. You don't have to take care of judgment. And, and this was tough for his followers then. This is, this is tough now. Uh, the idea of getting even, they, you know, they need to pay for what they did. Right? We, we think that. I've told this story before about my, my cousin Matt and I when we were babies. Grew up with Matt. 
He was my best buddy growing up. We were born a week apart, first cousin. But Matt learned to walk a lot faster than I did. I was just this little kind of pudgy baby, and I'd just kind of sit there and let life go on around me. I was happy, baby, but um, so I just wanted to eat. But So Matt would uh, come up and take my toy sometimes and run off with it, and nothing I could do about it except, you know, sit you know, let it go. So finally, I uh, learned to, to walk, and uh, Matt tried to come take my toy, and I went after Matt, and I bit him right here on the chin as hard as I could, and and he had a mark for a long time. So I got even. Uh, Jesus says, you, no, you don't have to get even, okay? In fact, it's better just to kill people with kindness. kindness yeah you thought <laughs> you stopped to listen there for a minute that's good you're paying attention it's better to kill people with kindness and, and there has to be a practicality about this you can't always give everything you have to everyone because you wouldn't have anything anymore um, but I think most of us are on the side of, of being selfish than on the side of being willing to help others and so let me give you a little historical background on this this uh, go with someone for two miles part of this passage. Uh, so during this time, you know, it's the Roman Empire was in control, and when the Roman Empire conquered a territory, they would uh, go to the main meeting place and they they uh, would carve the law of the land right there in stone. Usually near the city boundary, there would be some kind of archway, and they would put the rules on on that archway. And so people would see that. And, and the laws, they might have varied a little bit from city to city, but almost always there was a, a law of the Roman mile. And, and this was a law that allowed a Roman soldier to make any civilian carry his gear for, oh, they called it a million, which was a, a Roman mile, just slightly shorter than our mile. And so um, the law was written to give a, a weary soldier a break from, from carrying his heavy burden. And so now remember, there was no love at all between the, the, the Roman people and the Jewish people. And uh, so what they would do is they would go out from a mi- for a mile in each direction from their house, and they would put a, a mile marker, a post in the ground. So if somebody made them carry their stuff for a mile, they'd stop right at the marker so they didn't have to go an extra inch for these dirty people. Okay, so that's, that's their mindset, is they were doing a mile because they absolutely had to. So back to our story. Picture Jesus, he's standing on the hillside, he's preaching about peace and marriage and, and, and all these things, divorce, and, and, and he's talking to people who are captive people. Okay, they were slaves to the Roman government. And, and all the people, they're listening to things, and then Jesus drops this this bomb on him and in verse 41 it says if anyone some if someone forces you to go one mile go with him two miles and i can just imagine their faces getting kind of red and clenching their teeth and and thinking you have got to be kidding me jesus i mean whose side are you on are you on the roman side what are you saying you know they they hated walking a single mile and now you're saying go ahead and walk two miles for them and I wonder if he lost some followers at that point. 
this is just too much. You know, they were hoping that Jesus will, would help overthrow the Roman government. And then he's saying, no, I want you to walk two miles if they ask you to walk one mile. But Jesus often turned things upside down from what the traditional thinking was. So what's this mean for, for you and me today? We're not under Roman rule. Uh, we, we're not under the oppression of a foreign government. Well, I think it means to be willing to go the extra mile for those around us. As Christ followers, we should be a little kinder, a little sweeter, a little more accommodating to those who don't believe. We should be looking for ways to serve others each and every day of our lives, and we should be willing to walk the, the second mile or even the third mile or the fourth mile for Jesus. This is a very minor example, but it's kind of the idea behind it. One of my pet peeves is when people leave their shopping carts all over the parking lot at places instead of taking them back to the, the cart place. What's that called? Cart pin? What do you call it? Corral. Okay, that's a good name. Um, so, last Sunday, Holly and I, we went and got some ice cream at a place, and then we were going to stop at Stone's Corner uh, neighborhood market there, and so we pulled it kind of the edge of the parking lot, and there was some shade, and we were eating our ice cream, and there was this other car right next to us, and so the guy comes out of Walmart and puts his stuff in the car, and he puts his cart right up on the grass over the curb, and then gets in his car and uh, leaves. And so my, my first instinct was to want to get out and, and grab the car and sarcastically say, don't, don't worry, I'll get it for you. I'm sure you're really busy there, buddy. I didn't. Kind of because Holly stopped me, but I didn't. <laughs> so I waited until he was gone, and I took the, the cart back over to the cart corral, cart pen, and and I didn't realize it, but the Walmart worker was picking up carts right then, and he, he saw what I did and, and said, thanks, I appreciate that. And so, like I said, that's a very small example of what we're talking about here. But the big picture is that we should just have an attitude of being an example for Jesus, even if it's little things like carts, right? Going the extra, extra mile. And just remember this. Jesus didn't ask us to go the second mile without first making sure that he lived the life of going the second mile. He would never ask us to give without first giving more. Remember the road that he walked on in Jerusalem on the way to the cross in Latin uh, known as the Via Doloroso, uh, which in English means the, the way of grief or the way of sorrow. It was a road that led to death. Okay, Jesus paid a price that he didn't owe. He didn't deserve to die on that cross, but he did for us. Okay, last one of the you have heard that it was said. Verse 43, you've heard, heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, where are you, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I'm going to call this section, Love Those Who Are Hard to Love. 
Love those who are hard to love. The interesting about this one is that the Old Testament never said love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, that didn't come from the Bible. Um, so that you have heard that it was said part like most likely came from rabbis who taught that that was really kind of misteaching that. Um, there kind of came to be an understanding that it's okay not to love those who are against you. And Jesus says, guys, here's the deal. When you are uniting your heart and your actions, you need to show love to everyone regardless of how they treat you. And guys, this is hard. You know, personally, this may be the hardest one of them all for me. It really is. I mean, sometimes it's hard to show love to people in your own family, let alone your enemies, right? Um, like the couple who were, they were celebrating their 75th wedding anniversary, and, and, and the old man saw his bride across the room at the party, and, and, and he said, I love you. And, and she said, what did you say? And so he said again, I love you. And she still didn't hear him and said, what, what, what did you say? And, and, and he put his hands around his mouth and said, I love you. And she said, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> you just needed a cheesy joke in there for, you know. But seriously, when we look at the face of God, we, we see a God who has always loved his enemies. You know, we see that in the, in the most famous Bible verse of them all, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Throughout history, God has always loved each of his children unconditionally, and that, that's something that's never going to change. God loved us, even when we're, we weren't very lovable. And Jesus is saying, if you just love all the people who are easy to love, you know, what's the big deal about that? How's that standing out for Christ? True love is showing love to those who are hard to love. And they probably won't love you back. But that's okay. Because you're doing your part to try to further the kingdom of God. And let's read that last verse again. Be, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, this comes right at the end of these six areas that we just looked at and and this can be an overwhelming statement, right? Okay, in, in reality, are we going to be perfect like God is perfect? No, we're not. But when you're, you're a part of a perfect kingdom, you're striving to be like the perfect king. That's the goal. In John 4, 7, and 8, the Apostle John says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, listen to this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. John goes as far as to say that if you don't love, if you're not doing this, you, you don't love God because God is love. And so the question is never who to love. The question is how to love others in, in ways that will benefit them the most. And, that, and that's hard sometimes. That's the part that takes prayer and, and uh, searching. And Jesus knew that by teaching that his followers needed to love their enemies, that they're going to have to kind of rethink things on a, a lot of different levels. Okay, Because love does so many things. It lowers defenses. It tears down walls. It, it builds bridges. Love changes people. 
And in a country dealing with a whole lot of hate right now, Jesus says this is not an option. This is not what it should look like. Love those who are hard to love. We're going to watch a video right now. It's called Love Your Enemies. And, and as we watch this video, I want you just to be thinking about who your enemy is. Who, who is it that, that you struggle to love? And be asking God to kind of help tear down those walls in your heart that are, are keeping you from being able to, to truly say that you love those who are hard to love. And so let's watch that. I am a Palestinian Christian, and I have lived all of my life in Bethlehem. Today, Bethlehem is a city that is completely surrounded by walls and fences. The wall just completely engulfs the city. Living in the wall is like living in a big prison where you are deemed guilty. We grew up in a culture where we were called to hate Israelis for what they were doing to us. Every Israeli to me was a bad person who was occupying us, wanted to destroy us. And I learned that I can stand up for my rights and stand up for my dignity, and I can resist those who are occupying me, but doing it nonviolently, without being violent to them. And I felt that this was the right thing to do. I would even say that this is what Jesus would be doing if he was in my place. Jesus would be standing with the victim against the victimizer, with the oppressed against the oppressor, with the occupied against the occupier. But part of my journey was to begin to really understand that my faith caused me to engage in much more the time that Jesus lived in. Uh, he and his Jewish community were also living under a very suppressive occupation, the Roman occupation. And Jesus could have said anything to the Jewish community at that time. He could have said, uh, we should make peace with our enemies. He, he could have said we should negotiate with our enemies. We should resolve our conflict with our enemies. He could have called his people to do that, and people would have been maybe very upset with him, and they would have maybe even labeled him as a traitor. Jesus went beyond all of this. He called us to love. What Jesus calls us to do is not just to make peace and then step away. He calls us into unity. He calls us into oneness. When you love somebody, when you love a member of your family, when you love your wife, your husband, you create a new oneness with them, a unity with them, where there is no other, actually. The challenge to all of us is, how are we living this globally as well? And I believe that the teachings of Jesus have the answers that the world is looking for. We are just called out to live them. We are not called to just make peace. We are called to create a beloved community of all the peoples of this land. And that, for me, is what loving the enemy is all about. As the band begins to, to play in the background, I just want to take a, a minute or two um, to, to take some time, just you and God, and... Uh, Ask God to be helping you to to break down those the walls that are in your heart that are keeping you from loving unconditionally. And and so 
just take a little time right now, you and God. Ask God to, to reveal that if there's some barriers there. And if you, once you know what that is, give that over to God. Say, God, I, I, I can't do this on my own. Because the, the truth is that you would have done it on your own a long time ago if you could. And so you need God to be a part of this. So just take some time right now, you and God. Father, in, in a, a world that is filled with so much hate, I pray that we can stand out as people who have love. Not love just when it's easy, but unconditional love, the kind of love that Jesus had for us, the kind of love that, that had him walking down a, a road on the way to a cross for us. And so the the barriers, the walls that are there that we need to break down in order to truly love, I pray that you'll just help us do that. Give us the strength because we can't do it on our own. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord.